0: Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken.
1: Hi, Shep Hyken here again with Amazing Business Radio on CBS. And I'm excited today because we have a friend of mine who I've known for many years. He is an author. He's recognized as one of the experts in the world on accountability. His name is Sam Silverstein. He has a brand new book that's just coming out called Non-Negotiable, the story of Happy State Bank and the power of accountability. And that's an interesting story that Sam's going to share with us. So, Sam, welcome to the show. Hey, Shep, it's great to be here. And you look good. You can't see it on radio, but he looks good. I dress up for you. Okay, great. So, let's first of all, we're going to jump right in to it. We'll talk about the book in just a little while, but I want to know about accountability. What's the big deal with accountability? Why is it important? And what does it mean to a company?
2: Well, ultimately, at the end of the day, we're all in a commodity business. No matter what it is that that your product or your service, it's pretty much commodity. There's abundance of it out there. And the only discernible way to separate our organization, from another organization, is to build it around accountability. Accountability sets you apart. Accountability will allow you to perform at a level that your competitors just won't. Ultimately, accountability is what's going to be your competitive advantage. So, I mean, is accountability, when I hear you
1: talking about it like this, I kind of think of, are you empowering your employees to act accountable? Because isn't that a big part of it?
2: Ultimately, what it is, is it's creating a culture within an organization where the natural outflow is accountability. It's creating a culture within your organization where people want to be accountable. It's creating a culture within your organization Mm -hmm. where accountability is prioritized and inspired. And so I, I, I
1: know that the first book that you wrote was No More Excuses. Right. Okay. And actually, that wasn't the first book, but that was the first book on accountability. Correct. And uh, so let's go back, even though that's not the book we're going to talk about today, because that's where I first learned about your whole accountability, uh,
2: accountability message. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Share with me uh, what that's about. Well, here, it's really interesting. It's kind of like Star Wars. What was the first episode of Star Wars. Well, actually, we, we
1: saw like the 12th episode of Star Wars before the first one ever came well, It was <laughs> like in it, reverse order. Well, exactly. <laughs> it came out
2: and the first, the first episode of Star Wars was uh, 4, and what they did was they came out with the trilogy 4, 5, and 6, and then went back 1, 2, and 3. And it's almost the same way with me with No More Excuses. No More Excuses is like 4, 5, and 6. It's the tactical approach to accountability, and it's a lot about what we should be doing, whereas the new book Non-Negotiable is all about what we should be thinking. And this is really the foundational work for building a culture within an organization where, as I said, people want to be accountable. That's the key. Okay. So your definition of accountability, I think we've heard it, but I want to give it to me real clear and concise. Accountability is keeping your commitments to people. Now, when I say commitments, those are both spoken commitments and unspoken commitments. Give me examples. Well, I told you I'd be here for the uh, the program today. I told you I'd be here at a certain time. Um, that was a commitment that I made to you. Mm-hmm. Now, the unspoken commitment is that I would show up ready to go. That I would be prepared. That uh, um, you know that that I'm I'm uh, I'm trying to serve you. That this isn't about me. It's about your show and the success of your show. And so, there's uncommitments that we un spoken commitments that we have with people. It really goes down to a... a It's almost common sense is what it sounds like. You would think that it is, but it just doesn't show up. It's really It goes down to a spiritual connection between people. It's really looking out for people, their well-being. It's about being when you're an accountable leader. It's wanting your people to succeed more than you're trying to succeed yourself. Those are unspoken commitments. In a business, an unspoken commitment could be that you're going to have a safe workplace. Not only is it physically safe, but it's emotionally safe. Right. I mean, you come to work and you expect that, hey, I'm going to come here.
1: I'm going to be paid to be here. I'm going to do a great job. What are they doing for me? And it's not so much like they're asking, what is it that you're doing for me? But there's certain implications. You're going to give me a good place to work, a safe place to work, good people to work around. I'm going to have a good team. The right culture plays into that. And I know we're going to get into that in a little while. You have some great stories, and Sam, you are a great speaker. I've watched you uh, actually probably from close to the beginning of your career grow, and I've heard some great stories over the years. Give us like your best accountability story, and I think I know what it is. You used to open your speech with it.
2: Well, I don't, that particular story that you might be referencing doesn't really set up accountability the way that we have. Transformed Because when it's about keeping your commitments to people, it's understanding what a commitment is and understanding your relationship with people. So rather than give you the story that maybe you want me to give you, I'm going to give you another story. An and, even better story. Well, it's, it's <laughs> about the story is this. You can't keep your commitments to people unless you value all people, unless you see all people equally. And you only lead people from where you see them. And so I'm working with a client, and the client is, uh, it's the night before, we're working with supervisors the next day, we're out at dinner, and during dinner he looks at me and he says, Sam, remember, everyone tomorrow is a supervisor, no one has a college education, keep it simple, it doesn't have to be overly sophisticated, and just give them three or four good points. Okay. Well... How many times have we heard leaders say we wouldn't be here without, without our people? They say that over and over again. And this is true accountability. How can you be accountable to grow your people if you're putting a ceiling on them? If you're saying, oh, well, they don't have a college degree, therefore they're limited. My father doesn't have a college degree, and he achieved amazing things. My father-in-law doesn't have a college degree. He, he's a, the the perfect example of the American success story. and we don't know why they don't have college degrees. We just know that they don't have college there degrees. There could have been a hundred different
1: reasons well, why they didn't get their college degree. Right. One, One of them. which probably wasn't that they weren't smart enough to get it.
2: Right, because these are two of the smartest people that I know that I've ever met. So, when you're in an organization as a leader and you are throttling the information, the training, the ideas that are going to your people because they do have a degree or don't have a degree or went to a certain kind of school, then right away, you're not being accountable to them. And what happens is they realize that. And when they realize that, they're going to act accordingly. Now, the flip side is when you're trying to help your people grow and become the best they can be, when you're discovering talents that they didn't even know that they have, when you're supporting those people, now what's happening is you're being accountable to them. And guess what? They know that, and they want to be accountable to you. And that's really at the very core right, of being you're pushing them and you're actually making them feel good
1: and you're inspiring them if you will. So, How did you react to the client that said, hey, dumb it down to my people? And maybe that's a pretty harsh way of saying it, but that's exactly what your client was saying. Dumb it down to my people. They're not college educated. Realize who you're working for. Did you say, okay, I'll take that into consideration?
2: And then did you push it a little bit? What did you do? Well, what you allow to exist in your space, you condone. Okay, that's tweetable. Let's say that again. Yeah, well, I probably have (laughs) tweeted that at some point in time. Um, What you allow to exist in your space, you condone. It's like another dinner I had with somebody who was high up in the uh, air strategic command, and we were talking about the Edward Snowden thing when when he had skipped off to Russia with all the information, and he says, I don't even know how he got access to that information in the first place. He was a junior school dropout. Now, the conversation was about Eric Snowden, but right away I realized that this leader is is someone who says, "Hey, if you go to juniors uh, junior college, you're substandard. If you drop out, you're substandard." I, don't let Bill Gates know that he's substandard. Right. Yeah, he didn't he drop out of college. Yeah, he did. Exactly. What year? Like I, maybe his freshman year I, or I, yeah, sophomore I don't know. year. Yeah, I mean, Michael yeah. Dell, a lot of people. And so my point is the same thing. I have to call him on it because accountability is my thing. That's My organization is a think tank on accountability. We work work with organizations helping them build a culture that inspires and prioritizes accountability. I cannot allow someone in my space to say something like that and get away with it. Now, I don't have to get in their face, and I don't have to be rude, but I have to say, wait a second, whether or not they have a college degree doesn't mean that that's a reflection on what their capabilities are, and I'm going to give them what they need to to understand what accountability is in your environment, and see, that's what I said. What I hear you saying is
1: it's one thing to be accountable, but it's another thing to hold someone
2: accountable. Well, I don't even like to look at holding people accountable. Well, that's like, what you're doing when you're when I'm you're going to call somebody I like, out. I believe that you're helping someone be accountable. Okay. And when you approach it that way, see, when someone says, oh, I'm going to hold him accountable, well... It's kind of like there's a gun to their head. That's why when, when I show up in an organization and they hear, oh, the accountability guys is here, people are all fearful about that. And we can get into that later. Mm-hmm. But the point being is, yeah, I was helping him be accountable. My job is to teach him, is to teach the people in his organization what accountability really is. So that they can build an accountable organization. If I sit back and keep my mouth shut, I'm not serving them the way I'm supposed to serve them. Right, and you know, what? and that's part of what the
1: reason they hired you, and they want you uh, to be accountable and step up and 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 point that out. So maybe the wrong word is holding accountable, but you definitely said or you called that person out on something that hey, is this really the right way to be thinking? And the way you did it, hopefully, was diplomatic. Exactly. And it got you hired again. And I went back. <laughs> and you went back. All right. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about Happy State Bank. And actually, that is the actual name of the bank. Happy Unbelievable, State Bank isn't Trust. It? I love that name. So you are listening to Chef Hyken talking to Sam Silverstein on Amazing Business Radio on CBS. We will be right back. Don't go away.
0: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert Shep Hyken.
1: Shep Hyken here, and we are back on Amazing Business Radio on CBS. I'm talking to Sam Silverstein, the author of Non-Negotiable, uh, the Story of Happy State Bank and the Power of Accountability. So let's talk about Happy State Bank. And as I mentioned uh, just before we took a break, I love the name Happy State. Are,
2: is, it, are they, is it really a happy state? Are they in well, the town of Happy? What is, what well, is Happy State Bank? Well, the bank originally was founded in the town of Happy, Texas. Uh, the there ta- is really a town yep. called Happy, happy Texas? Happy, Texas, the town without a frown. No way! Absolutely, you're jerking my chain. No, no. You're, you've if got you go to, to their website, that's what it'll tell you. The town without a frown. There's some about 600 approximate people that live there. Um, it's a small town, and the original name of the bank was the uh, Happy State First Happy State Bank and Trust. And uh, and through a long situation, they end up trimming the name, and it it just became Happy State Bank. Happy State Bank. Are they still unhappy? Uh, they do have a branch in Happy, and uh, their, their base, their headquarters really is in Amarillo now. Amarillo, Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. I wonder if there's a sad Texas. Well, I don't know, but I'm more concerned <laughs> with Happy, Texas, because that's where there is a lot going on. All Here, right, in Amarillo, Texas. So tell us about Happy
1: State Bank. They're the subject of your book. Why did you choose them, uh, you know, and how did you even connect with them?
2: boy, we don't have enough time for that, ship. You know, it's interesting enough, um, somebody called me once and said, uh, I started reading your book, No More Excuses, and I was moved to call you. I've never called an author before. And that individual called me and started... Uh, taking my book, No More Excuses, and really promoting it in Amarillo. And over a period of time, she ended up putting together what we now call accountability roundtable. And that's where we go into a community where where somebody really wants to talk about accountability in the community, and they bring together leaders, business leaders, civic leaders, not-for-profit, organizational leaders, educational leaders, and we just discuss accountability and what it can mean to, uh, to build accountability within the community. And this person, Sharon Miner, whom you've met, mm-hmm. ended up coming to work for us, but she connected me to Pat. And the first visit I had in Pat's office, Pat um, is the CEO, Pat Hickman, the CEO of Happy State Bank. He had my book, No More Excuses, sitting on the corner of his desk, and he said, Sam, uh, your book sat there longer than any other book I've ever had, not because I haven't read it, but because I've been sharing it with everyone. And through the uh, the conversation and the meeting that we were there, he came up to me later in the conversation. And this is really key. He went to his computer, he printed out four sheets of paper. And then he came over to me and he handed me these four sheets of paper. And he said, Sam, I want you to know what we believe. And that's exactly what he said. And he handed me those four sheets of paper. And then he said, this is going to sound like a crazy question. Someone, uh, several people have said, there should be a Book written about this bank, and several people have asked to write it, but I've never felt comfortable. I love your book. Would you be interested in writing the book? Absolutely. And so uh, let's go back. First of all, were you
1: at any of these meetings where they were talking, uh, bringing all these? people from the community in to
2: talk about accountability? Well, that's, that's exactly what it is. Uh, Sharon put together the first accountability roundtable in and Amarillo. So you, you kind of created that. She created it. We we actually, the way it works now is she she'll get a leader in a community that'll put it together. We buy lunch. It's free. We're not selling anything. And maybe 15 to 20 leaders will sit around and we talk about accountability. And so I come in, I throw some things on the table, and then we start discussing why it's happening and why it's not happening. Great way to introduce it to the uh, to the leaders of the community. And now,
1: so let's go back to these four sheets of paper that uh, you were handed. And he asks you, or first, he says he you, loves your book, he wants you to be the one. What was on those four sheets of paper? Because obviously, at that point you're probably thinking, happy state bank. Why would I want to write about a bank in Amarillo, Texas? And here I am talking about the a person who dropped out of college, essentially. It's kind of a, a parallel. Am I right? Well, it's kind
2: of interesting because although Pat went to college, he never graduated from college. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, here's a guy Here's a guy that never did not graduate from college. And in the late 80s, early 90s, 1989, 1990, with a net worth of about $6,000, three and a half kids. Nancy was three pregnant. Three and a half kids. Nancy was pregnant. Oh, okay. And um, he believed that he could own a bank in his hometown of Canyon, Texas. Canyon, Texas is just down the road from Amarillo. It's about 15 miles down the road. And so he put together an investor group and bought this bank. And at the time, the bank had one location in Happy, Texas, $10 million in assets. Today, there's 35 locations, and there, there is in excess of $2.5 in assets. That's some serious growth. A serious growth. Keep in mind that that spanned the two biggest banking debacles in the United States, other than the Great Depression. Because in the late 80s and early 90s, that was the S&L crash. Right, they were crashing, they were going out of business. Well, and uh, to, yeah, and to put it in perspective, even the Great Recession that we had in 08, 09, 010, there was 309 banks that closed. Back in the late 80s and early 90s, 747 banks closed down. So he's buying a bank at the time when banks are just exploding in a negative way. And people were telling him he was stealing his investors' money. But he believed he could do it. He believed that it was the right thing to do for his community. And that's what's
1: driven him. You know, it's like they say, you don't want to sell your stocks when everybody's selling, Right. Right. Okay. In a sense, it's the same thing. People. He went opposite of what everybody else did and what everybody told him. And he went with his gut. Now, a lot of times that doesn't work, but this time it did. And uh, he's held himself to a very high standard. I want to know what was on
2: those four okay. pieces of paper. Well, and it's, it, it was more than what he went with his gut. He went with what he believed he went with what he believed what he believed about what he could do and what he was supposed to do and did he actually not just believe it but did he have the capability and the talent to do it well he had been in banking but he had not been in all assets facets of banking he was he was in the loaning the loan side which is what generates revenue but the back office he he had little experience in and that's why he wanted to buy a bank rather than starting from scratch And he was able to pull together the investors what was on those four sheets Remember, it's, he handed it to me says I want you to know what we believe. Those four sheets said what they believe as an organization. It talked about the core values of Happy State Bank. When you look at the cover of the book, when you look underneath the title and the stamp that says non-negotiable, you actually see what is a picture of one of those sheets, core values of Happy State Bank. This is an organization that very clearly knows what they believe and then they align their actions with what it is that they say that they believe and it is what differentiates them from almost all organizations out there it's everyone has values everyone has value statements you know where to find them. You you find them on their website. You find them in their quarterly report or their annual report, or, you know, they're on the wall in the cafeteria. But the reality is that most organizations don't believe those values. But four pages of values is a lot to take in.
1: Well, there's... There there couldn't have been much left out. (laughs) What I'm worried about is that if you were to ask any one of those employees, hey, can you state what we're all about, what can they tell you what's on those four pages well let me I'll put I'll bet, you bet you they this can one. but
2: i mean me, there's 20 values and those four pages had there was narrative about what they they mean those values are not uh, disseminated to the employees at Happy State Bank they don't hand those out this is something that that a group of people over time had developed it is what is lived the values aren't on the piece of paper the values are in the people and the mission of Happy State Bank and we'll talk about the importance of this Work hard, have fun, make money while delivering outstanding customer service and honoring the golden rule. That's how they teach the values. They teach their values through that mission. They align perfectly. And I'm So in the a, mission is one statement. The mission the one is sentence. one statement. One sentence. Right. So I'm in Borger, Texas,
1: B-O-R-G-E-R. Borger. Borger. Can only imagine what that was like. I spent a week there one
2: night. Well, right? it's a beautiful little community, and I'm in there, and I'm talking to a... Um, a teller from Happy State Bank. And so I just asked her. I just felt compelled at that moment. I said, just out of curiosity, do you know the mission? And she was, like, taken aback because, as you can imagine, most people aren't asked the mission of their organization. It's just not a common question. It might be, what's the interest rate on a loan today, but not what's the mission of the bank. She looks at me and she goes, you mean work hard, have fun, make money while delivering outstanding customer service and honoring the golden rule? I said, yeah, that mission. That's perfect. I love that. She says, everybody knows that. Well, when you have an organization where everyone knows what the mission is, you have the ability to achieve on that mission.
1: Right. I call this a mantra. And once it's easily remembered, because it's usually one sentence or even shorter, it may be just a phrase of a few words, then you have a shot at aligning everybody. And that alignment is really important. And what this bank has done is they've aligned themselves with those principles, and underneath they have 20... Uh, different values their or beliefs. Uh, their beliefs that, that kind of tie into that. And you can teach that. You can train to that. You can also hire to those values. So you're looking for people that will hire to that uh, vision, to that mission, as well as to those core values. And if you do that, you're on your way. And
2: yeah, You left one thing out, though. Uh-oh. You can fire to them as well. Oh, absolutely. You can See, fire to it as well. See, that's the challenge. We say that we believe something, but then we're willing to make exceptions and not live those beliefs, and we allow people to exist in our space. We condone it. We allow people to stay in organizations that are not living the values, and that's when you start to erode accountability rather than build accountability great
1: information from Sam Silverstein. When we come back in just a moment, he is going to reveal to us the five elements that create a culture that inspires and prioritizes accountability. This is Shep Hyken on Amazing Business Radio on CBS. We'll be right back. Don't go away.
0: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Amazing Business Radio with
1: Shep Hyken. It's Shep Hyken here, and we are back on Amazing Business Radio on CBS, and we are with Sam Silverstein, who is talking about non-negotiable, the story of Happy State Bank and the power of accountability. We've heard uh, basically a great setup. We understand what accountability is. Uh, We just talk about Happy State Bank's mission statement, which I think every company should have one of those and most people when they create a mission statement it's this document that's longer than one sentence uh, i personally call this a mantra when you can take it down to one sentence it's a it's something that people can chant they can hold on to and uh, it's very easily memorized uh, my favorite it, although this may become one of my favorites now i may have to start using it because it's so good but i've been talking about the ritz carlton's mantra which they actually call credo for years nine words long We're ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. When the employees hear it, they understand what to do. When the guest hears it, they understand what to expect. When they hear the mission statement of Happy State Bank, I think the employees know how to deliver and the customers know exactly what to expect. Let's hear it one more time, that
2: mission statement. It's work hard, have fun, make money while delivering outstanding customer service and honoring the golden rule. I'm guessing that's about 15 words long. I never counted the words, but I know what it stands for and I know how people are able to understand it. They teach to it. Um, it's a constant part of the conversation it's really amazing what happens yeah, around it that's great it's a great
1: one and it's i just love it so let's talk about these five elements that you talk about in the book these are the elements to create a culture that inspires and prioritizes
2: accountability and while we define accountability as keeping your commitments to people i think it's also important to say that there's a difference between accountability and responsibility and we as a culture tend to mix those two together. We're responsible for things, we're accountable to people. Accountability always involves people. You're responsible to get your work done, you're responsible to do the report, but the report's not going to hold you accountable. You'll hold me accountable, I'll hold you accountable, or as we like to say, we'll help each other be accountable. So there is a difference between responsibility and accountability. I think responsibility is a given
1: Accountability builds trust and confidence in the others. Responsibility is what you're hired to do, basically.
2: Well, it, it's, yeah, it's about doing, but accountability goes into, really comes back to what you're thinking and then that drives what your actions are in mm-hmm. relationship to people. When you look at these five elements, it's 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 kind of like people, we get calls all the time from someone says, come into my organization and tell my leadership team they need to be more accountable. It's not about telling people to be accountable, it's about creating a place where they feel compelled to be accountable. And one of the things that we heard over and over and over again at Happy State Bank is I would rather die than let Pat down. These people want to be accountable. And in other clients that we work with where we help them instill these five things into their organization, organizational culture, we start to see that where the people just don't want to disappoint someone else when it's a culture that inspires right. accountability. So, so here's what's happening. I, Pat, who's the CEO, Pat
1: has created this culture in this organization that obviously appreciates the people that work for, for the organization. And just the fact that they're appreciated, they've been put in a good spot, they feel that they want to go to the mat for the company. And that's all about employee engagement. And we may talk about that if we have time today, but I'm sure that that's that's a big byproduct of accountability. As you get more engaged employees, you get employees that are willing to work harder, they're willing to maybe spend extra time, their own time, because it's part of their life if they're
2: really that connected to the company. Absolutely, engagement becomes outflow from that. So, these five elements. The first one is, we've already talked about it, you have to know what you believe. As an organization, you have to know what you believe. And, and this goes back to what we were talking about just a few moments ago. Most organizations, you know, it's I call it um, I call it MBA crap, and I'm not I'm not MBA c- crap. Yeah, and it's I have an MBA. I've got you know, so I have a master's in business and all that kind of stuff. I know a lot of people that have it. They're good degrees. I'm not saying don't get it. But what happens is we go to business school, and they almost give you a checklist of things that you have to do. Schools are great at teaching you what to do, but they're not great at teaching you what to think. And I'm not talking problem-solving thinking. I'm talking what to think, what to think about people, what to think about relationships, what to think about commitments. But isn't that a big part of how people were brought up? Well it is a derivative of that but why why shouldn't it be continuously taught in all surroundings sure well nordstrom for example they ask how do you train these people
1: to be so good and the response is we don't train them their parents train them what we do is we
2: take what's already there and make it work for us right but it goes deeper than that because we see people in a, it we see people when they work for an organization that has a culture that truly inspires accountability when it's very clear what they believe then we see transformation in those people they become better people we have a client that we worked with to to set up their whole non negotiable core values for the organization and then we're working in a year-long relationship to help them roll them out one month in one of the employees of the organization said she came to me and she said her husband Went on an interview with another company, and he was looking at what that company believed because it was important to him. So what happened in the first company, because they take the time to look at what they believe, because they stress it. Now, not only does it impact those employees, it impacts their families, and it impacts the communities. There's a ripple effect. Knowing what you believe in an organization is critical, because if I don't know what this organization believes, how do I make decisions?
1: Right. I love this, because you're creating uh, what I call in the customer service world, a demanding customer it's when we're so good that that customer, if they were to go somewhere else, they would demand the same from the other company, and when they don't get it, they're disappointed. Well, in a sense, that's what you're doing. When you create this incredible organization that Happy State Bank has done, what happens is if somebody thinks about going somewhere else, if they interview somewhere else, they want to know, are you going to be as good as what I'm used to? And if not, You know what? Hey, I'll stay away. And guess what? My guess is that Happy State Bank has an incredible amount of tenured, long-term people. Uh, I'll bet you the turnover is extremely low.
2: Well, of course, because what happens is when you create an environment where accountability is is prioritized and it's inspired, people don't want to leave, and 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 that becomes a challenge. It's like how do you offer upward mobility? And the way they do it is is through expansion. We have a client that has thirty five stores in four states. It's a uh, authorized wireless reseller, and we've been working with them for 12 months now. And what happened shortly after we started working with them, or right at, near the beginning, we noticed in their policy manual, they had a policy that said every employee gets two days off per year with pay to work in the community. To contribute, like for a not-for-profit or pro- right, provide I love that. service, you know, very okay. community-minded. So when we're working with them on their non-negotiable core values, this comes up. I asked them, "How many days paid leave did you give last year for your employees based on this policy?"
1: In, in other words, how many of them stepped up and used or did what right. they were? Expected the answer to was zero.
2: Really, really, because no one. Right, because it wasn't what they believed. It was their policy. It was in their policy manual. This is where organizations don't get it. It's not about being in your policy manual. It's about this is what we believe. This is who we are. Now, once it became a non-negotiable core value, something that they said that they believed, then all of a sudden what happens? Well, people are talking about it. They're saying this is what we believe. Now, my question to them then, well, if you say this is what you believe, how is it showing up in your organization? Right. Well, guess what? All of a sudden, people started painting houses. People started working in communities. They were getting newspaper articles about the service that their employees were performing in the cities that they had these stores. It was absolutely amazing because it went from being a policy to being something that they – believe and and i think one of the ways to bring this to light is to tell
1: the story you know i talk about telling the story if you can get the people who are doing it even if it's just you've got an organization of it doesn't matter how many people if just one or two people are doing it and they start to share the story and people can grasp onto that story because you have to tell a story in order to make the point. Absolutely. Of that. All right, we're getting off point. So number one is gotta know, know what, you, what you believe. Gotta and, know what you believe. And so we get that. Uh, let's go
2: with number two. We could be here for hours if we if we keep going on like this. So what's number two? Number two is you have to know what's in your control, and and you have to focus on what's in your control. See what what we discover is this: a lot of people focus on what they can't control. And when you focus on what you cannot control, that's when the excuses come in, and that ties back to no more excuses. um, it's raining today. I can't control that. And if that's my excuse for being late, it's because I'm focusing on something I can't control. What can I control? Well, I can control what time I leave my house to get to wherever it is I'm going. I know that it's raining, and I know that a 20-minute ride in the rain might end up being 30 minutes. Well, then, so what do we hear in business? Number one excuse we hear in business is, oh, the economy's bad. Well, can you control the economy? Nope, can't control it. I can't control it either. However, I can't control how I train my people. I can control uh, how we we advertise. I can't control how we market. I can't control if we increase the number of telephone calls we make, if that's part of what we do to generate business. All that's within my control. When you focus on what you can't control, you get excuses. When you focus on what you can control, you get results. All right. So it's not what happens to you. It's what you do about it and beyond that. It's not just reacting to what's going on. It's When you know what you believe and you know what you're trying to achieve, then you're focused on solving problems. Right. You're not focused on the problem. Right. That's why I say it's it's not what happens to you. It's what
1: you do about it. It's how you react. It's your belief. And you you can dwell on the negative or embrace it and figure out how to deal with it. So that's number two. Number three. Know what is in your control.
2: Number three. Well, number three is you need to know what your mission is and the purpose behind that mission. And we discussed what it was for Happy State Bank. Um, for us, it's empowering people to live accountable lives. That's it. It's empowering people to live accountable lives, and our vision is building an accountable world. We know what that is. Everything we do needs to tie to that in some form or fashion. And so we have projects that come up all the time that that that, that could be shiny objects to grab our attention. And Sharon or Renee or someone in my organization is going to say, "Okay, so is this on mission for us? Is this on task? Because if we stay on our mission, we're going to continue." continuously move forward. And the mission is unifying within the organization. Right. And along the way, you're going to find some, what I call, strategic byproducts.
1: And that is, you're allowed to go outside of what you're, you're heading toward, provided it stays in alignment. It doesn't take you so far off course. Uh, that it dilutes everything you're working for. All right, so number one is know what you believe. Number two is know what's in your control. Number three is know what your mission is. And it's a perfect time for a break right now. So we're going to come right back. Don't go away. This is Amazing Business Radio on CBS. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken.
1: Shep Hyken here, and we are back on Amazing Business Radio. We are talking with Sam Silverstein, the author of Non-Negotiable, the story of Happy State Bank and the Power of Accountability. Hey, before we go any further, Sam, tell us where we can get this book or when we can get this book.
2: Well... The book, Non-Negotiable, is available for pre-order, depending on when you're listening to the recording. So right now it is available for pre-order. You can go to any of your online booksellers, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, whoever you like to go to. And feel free, you can come to the website. It's at samsilverstein.com or happybankbook.com. Happy and there's Bank Book. Happy Bank Book. Absolutely. <laughs> See, isn't that fun?
1: I, you know, I just think that's part of it. Happy. I have a friend of mine, his company used to be called THF. And you know what that stood for? To have fun. To have fun. People go, why do you call it, what are the initials THF? What do they mean? Hey, to have fun. I love that. I love that. So that's how we get the book. You already talked about of the five elements, you've talked about three, know what you believe, know what's in your control, know what your mission is. What's number four?
2: Number four is that, number four simply is this. You've, it's valuing people. You've got to value people. And it's. it's Go not ahead, standi- elaborate on this. Yeah, it's not standing up at the annual meeting and saying, hey, you know, we couldn't do this without you. Everyone does that, everyone says that. It's rhetoric. Um, I see examples all the time where organizations, they put it in print. Oh, we would be nothing without our people. That sounds nice, and that's fine, and there's nothing wrong with saying that. You need to prove it. Well, you need to live it. Your actions need – you know, my dad used to tell me, and you might have heard it from your parents. And My dad said – if he said it once, he said it a million times. Actions speak louder than words that's the truth and so the question is valuing people valuing people means seeing all people equally valuing people means that you would be just as comfortable to talk to someone that's pushing a broom as someone who has the vp after their name well, I think as a leader in an organization that's trying to play, uh, create this
1: culture, I think you're you you know you're treating everybody uh, with respect, is maybe a really good word, giving them the respect and the dignity that they deserve to make them feel good about where they are,
2: regardless of who they are, what their title is, how long they've worked for you, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. But here's the situation. What happens is we think that because someone doesn't have a college degree that we need to dumb down the content. Yeah, we talked about that. Okay. And so – I'm from someone we know of uh, was getting ready to do strategic planning, and so they actually went through and, and did profile. They profiled all their people, what their strengths and weaknesses were, and they found out that the person that was the strongest strategic thinker in the organization was the head of maintenance. The head of, of maintenance. maintenance. Now, thinking strategically uh, okay. is not something that, that 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 that's part of your DNA. It's it's how you process. It's how you process. It's not about going to college. It's not about what you know. It's how you process. And so they did the, the smart thing. They brought the head of maintenance into strategic planning. Now a lot of CEOs would say, you know what, we got to go to strategic planning, so I'm going to take my EVP, I'm going to take this officer and this officer, and they just want to take the important people. Right because they see those people as being more important. This goes on all the time. And when that's the way you lead, then that's where you take your people. That's how they know how you feel about them. And you may not want to believe it, but you're not valuing people. You're seeing differences in people. You're drawing differences.
1: And if you want to create a culture change, whether it's strategic planning or not, when you sit down at the boardroom table to talk to your team, people on the team need to be at all levels of the company they need to be uh... people who you might consider to be what you call the lowest level maybe based on pay but they're just as important we're getting ready to do some pretty serious work in the world of customer service for a retail chain and we said hey we need to have a roundtable discussion with at least fifteen people in the room who do you want in that room well i want your ceo and a couple of your high-level vps your exec vps because that sends the message that even the management and the leadership is invested. I also want some of your cashiers. Give me a cashier that's been there for a while. Recognize that they're probably not the the highest paid people on your food chain here, but we want them to be a part of this. We want their stamp of approval because if they are buying into it, then the other people who are the cashiers and people who operate at their level are there. We want everybody. We want to you know bring to the table a, a cross uh, a, a is cross function of, of different parts of the company in order to be able to get the best results, and that's what you're saying here. It's and and don't discount somebody because they're in the maintenance department or they're the first or the last person that was hired. Exactly. Yeah.
2: But you know, we have a client, don't have a college degree. We have a we have a client that's one of our smaller clients, 23 people, and they want us. They engage us to do a year long. Uh, Organizational development, helping them understand their non negotiable core values and then drive it through the organization and shape their culture. And there's three, ex- we're, we're setting up the first meeting where we're going to actually sit down and discuss their non negotiable core values. And they said that we'd set the meeting up around the three executives. And I said, no. I said well, we won't set the meeting up around the three executives. You only have twenty-three people in this case. Let's bring everybody into the room. Why not? Well, but you know who's gonna answer the phone though? Well no one. That's <laughs> exactly. Right. That's Don't how answer. important it is. That, that's exactly it. And they didn't see that. Now if you if you have five hundred people, you can't put five hundred people necessarily in a room and, and have these sorts of conversations. But when you only have twenty three, I said it's critical that we have twenty three in the room. As a matter of fact I won't even take the the account I won't work with you unless we put all 23 in the room it was that important now the outflow from that they have the fastest uptake of any client we worked with so far and the reason they've had the fastest uptake is because the information doesn't have to flow through all the usual channels everyone was there on day one
1: and it was amazing and the smaller the business and we experience that anytime you're creating a culture change the only difference is size of the company means it's going to be slower to, to, right. uh, to
2: make happen. And, and no doubt about that. So that's number four, value your people. Number five. Number five. Well, number five is the title of the book. It's non-negotiable. It's taking everything we said to the level of non-negotiable. And we even define non-negotiable in the book as a positive standard that respects the rights of people and is absolute respects the rights of people and is absolute. There are a lot of people that believe a lot of things out there that are not good things, that don't respect the right of people. Example? Well. World War II was a perfect example. Someone believed that one group of people were uh, superior superior, to another group of people. Uh, Here in the United States, at one point in time, when we held a census, a black person was only counted as two-thirds of a person. A white person was a whole person. That's just wrong. It's wrong, and it's been proven wrong. And so a non-negotiable is a positive standard that respects the rights of people and is absolute. And so what non-negotiable means is it means means that we take what it is that we say that we believe, we take the fact that we focus on what we can control, we take our mission, and we take the fact that we value people to the level of non-negotiable. It's not even on the table for discussion. Period. So you've got this mission statement that's one sentence
1: long, and that was probably at the very top of the Happy State Bake mission statement. There it is. Hard work, have fun, make money while providing outstanding service and following the golden rule. Great. Underneath, you said, were 20 points, 20 core values. Are these the non-negotiables?
2: Well, that those are their beliefs. That's what they believe, and what they believe is non-negotiable. Got so, it. And, and the mission is the manifestation of that. It's non-negotiable. So, for instance, um, it, we could use any of our clients, but Happy State Bank has one, one that's just really—it's incredible. It's your relationship with your coworker will be as good, if not better, than the relationship with your best client. Really? That's pretty strong. Now, so what that means is, Shep, if you and I are in cubicles and we're next to each other, we work, and we're not getting along, it means someone's going to come into our office and say, either you guys figure out your problem or I'm going to figure it out for you. And it means if we can't get along, one or both of us are going to be gone. It means that no matter if you're the top producer for the organization, if you're not living that, you're gone. It's non-negotiable. I get it. Now, how many times have we seen people, when someone's let go in an organization, um, you know, I've seen this over and over and over again, everyone else goes, what took you so long? Nobody wants to work around people that are no fun. Nobody wants to work around people that are negative or or that don't get along. Everybody wants the environment to be handled this way, but most people won't step up and do it. And so that's why we get questions like this. We get questions from from people in organizations. Well, what do you do when you work for an organization where everything's an exception? Well, when it's not, shouldn't be an exception. If it's what you believe, how important are your kids to you? Right. Uh, well, yeah. Well, how important are they? Oh, they're very important. They're okay, everything. Okay. So, under what condition would you maybe, uh, would you maybe put them in a situation that's life threatening? Never. Never. There isn't some. Couldn't we negotiate on that? I doubt it. Okay. So, well, <laughs> which kid? Yeah, which (laughs) kid, right. (laughs) That's always the answer. Um, No, but that's just it. The well-being of your family is critical to you. I know that. I know you. I know that's what you believe. It's non-negotiable. And so everything else about what we believe in our organization and in our life needs to be non-negotiable. It does mean that there's going to be conflict. It does mean that there's going to be challenges. Because how how do you balance this against that when they come in conflict? conflict. That's our job. We got to figure that out. But the answer isn't to negotiate. The answer isn't to give up on something we believe. The answer is to find a solution to where we're able to achieve on everything that we say that we believe in. Wow.
1: I don't know if you can hear it in his voice, but I think we've got a little passion here uh, about non-negotiable. All right. So the five elements are know what you believe, know what's in your control. That's number two. Number three is know what your mission is. Number four is value your people. And number five, we just covered it, non-negotiable. When we come back in just a moment, we're going to talk about what the result of all of this means to you and your company. This is Shep Hyken on Amazing Business Radio. We're with Sam Silverstein. We'll be right back. Don't go. Away.
0: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken.
1: Shep Hyken here with Amazing Business Radio on CBS, and we are back and we have Sam Silverstein, amazing author, talking about accountability. And uh, Sam, we, we've talked about a number of different things. And accountability, obviously, I think is important. We love it. I get it. I totally understand it. But if I decide to take the time to bring this into my organization, what am I going to get out of this?
2: Ultimately, accountability is your competitive advantage. It's what differentiates you from everyone else in the marketplace and it will take you to a higher level of performance than you could otherwise get to. We see companies and we work with companies all the time that that are making money, that are doing well, that are having record-setting quarters. We had one company that has 2,500 employees and they had a record-setting quarter. But they had a problem, and the problem was that their employees would not rec- recommend working in that organization to their family and their friends. Really? So really? they're working
1: there, but they're and they're doing well, but the employees are saying,
2: I wouldn't recommend right. this. So what happens? So what does that mean? That means their people are not engaged. And they're not happy. and They're, they're not, not fulfilled. Exactly. They're probably looking for the next opportunity. Well, and there was a lack of accountability, and there was example and example after example of lack of accountability in that organization. So what happens when you when you take the time to educate and invest in building a culture that that really prioritizes accountability. And, And what happens is this. What happens is people become happier. They work harder. They're more engaged in what they do. Safety goes up. We see uh, productivity goes up, profitability goes up. What was a record quarter becomes an even bigger record quarter. It, it ties to the bottom line. It ties to the bottom line. I'll tell you what else
1: goes up. Your retention of good people goes up, and pro- you know, all of your people goes up, because if you're hiring right, you're hiring good people. And when you don't have to rehire and churn uh, people, you don't have to hire, you don't have to retrain. And by the way, I suggest, and I think this is important, this accountability thing isn't a flavor of the month or flavor of the year. It's an all the time thing, just like training is. You will constantly be reinforcing this. Training isn't something you did, it's something you do. Reinforcement is something you are continuously doing all the time. So the ROI, and there is definite ROI, because when you start to get more engaged employees, they're happier. And you know, if you look, I believe it's glassdoor.com. If you go to Glassdoor, and you look at the best companies to work for, and you take a look at what the most successful companies are, there's a lot of crossover between these. And the way you create that culture that people want to work in that organization, that they would, they're would they so engaged that they'll work overtime, they'll work on the weekends, they'll do community service on behalf of the organization. It's a team. That's where the ROI takes place. Uh, a better engaged workforce, a happier workforce, a fulfilled workforce, and they go to the mat for you, and it turns into a, a successful company.
2: Well, you can do things with a workforce that has been there long term, where they know what's going on. They're, you're not constantly training new people. You can move quicker. You can take advantage of business opportunities. Growth comes quicker. I wrote an article. There's an article on my website um, at samsilverstein.com or beaccountable.com. You can go to and see a restaurant in San Francisco where, in the restaurant business, the you know a good year is 5% profit. This restaurant turns 22%. Profit, and the reason is because they're incredibly accountable to their people. There's a dollar twenty-five put per person on every check, and that money goes towards offering full health, full benefits, uh, uh, retirement pension plan, sick days. They value their people. They take care of their people. They're accountable to their people. And guess what? They have dishwashers that have been there for 20 years. Their people don't leave. So what does that mean? It means they can take care of a volume of people through that store, that restaurant that another restaurant could never take care of because their people are pros. They're experts. They're experienced. They've been doing this for a long period of time. This is the natural outflow when you build a place where people want to be accountable and you have high engagement. And, and the profitability, it's, it's-
1: substantial it higher. explodes so it's, yeah it's three to four times higher in this particular instance powerful powerful information all right we're coming down to the home stretch one idea one great thing you want us to walk away and make sure if nothing else we remember this
2: what will it be what is it chef it was a moment that changed my life and we talked about this and it was when When Pat Hickman handed me those four sheets and he said, Sam, I want you to know what I believe. I want you to know what we believe here at Happy State Bank. And the point is this, we've got to know what we believe. We have to know in our own personal lives what we believe. We need to know in our businesses and organizations what we believe, and we need to teach that. In our personal lives, we're teaching our children. In our businesses, we're teaching everyone associated with the organization. Those beliefs have to be founded in valuing people. Everything is always around other people. It's never around us. And then we have to ask the question, ask the question, how are these beliefs showing up every day? And when they're not, then step back, because guess what? If they're not showing up, you don't believe it. Right, yeah, you have to put
1: it. That, by the way, is the number one element within the book. You have the five elements. That's number one. Is that correct? Absolutely. So know what you believe. And, and it's not just knowing it. It's living it, and it's doing it, and it's acting on it. And it's uh, it's like it's not something that you
2: read. It's something that you do. Well, see, here's the thing. Accountability is a way of thinking, not a way of doing Accountability is a way of thinking, not a way of doing. You don't do accountability. It comes from thinking. It's about thinking goes into what you believe. Thinking goes into your mission. Thinking goes into valuing people. It's all about thinking. And when you change the way that you think as an organization, then the outflow is you will be changing what you do, and those will be the positive, more profitable results that you'll get. Great, excellent, excellent information.
1: Sam Silverstein is an amazing speaker. He's a business expert. He is uh, an internationally recognized author of No More Excuses, and now the new book, Non-Negotiable: The Story of Happy State Bank and the Power of Accountability. You can get the book at samsilverstein.com. You can go to happy bank. Uh, what 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 is the Happy it? bank book. Happy book.com. You can go to your favorite online reseller or seller, uh, that would be Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You'll be able to find this in bookstores everywhere. doesn't come out for a little while, so you can pre-order it now, and I urge you to do so. It is an outstanding book. Sam, thank you so much for coming by. You're an awesome guest. You're an awesome friend. I really appreciate you being here. Ladies and gentlemen, we are on Amazing Business Radio, and my name is Shep Hyken, and I want to remind all of you to be amazing.